Charles asked me, he said, you know, before I started up here tonight, he asked me, he said, so are you going to preach about your wife tonight? I said, no. I'm not going to preach about my wife tonight. He said, he rephrased it. You're, you're going to preach, what are you preaching on tonight? Oh, yeah. I'm preaching about angels tonight. Yes. I am preaching about my wife tonight. We like this word, don't we? We like using this word. Uh, you know, my mother, as soon as her grandchildren walk through, oh, my little angels are here, don't we? Tabitha, where's Tabitha? Where she is back there, I see her. Yeah, Tabitha's a, about to have a little angel, isn't she? That's what we're going to think about, the baby. That's what we're going to think about her, isn't it? We use that word. One of my favorite songs is a Willie Nelson song entitled Angel Flying Too Close to the Ground. If you had not had fallen, I would not have found you, Angel Flying Too Close to the Ground. You, I patched up your broken wings and hung around for a while just to keep your spirits up and your fever down. Angel flying. We, we, we understand about angels. We like using that word. In fact, the Bible uses the word angel over 270 times in the Old Testament and New Testament. And so tonight's lesson, I'm not going to go through 270 scriptures, I promise you. But that, I cannot deal with this subject. This is a subject from one of you, okay? One of you asked last November for, for this particular topic. And I cannot deal with this subject tonight without going into a lot of scripture. So I've tried to put them on the screen, okay? And I've, I've tried to get it to where you could maybe write these down and have your own study about these. But really, we're, we're like, like they said on Andy Griffith, you're going to have to jump in and hang on, okay? So uh, I hope that you're ready to study this, this, this important topic. It is a biblical topic. Angels are a biblical topic. There has been uh, a, lot of, a lot of press, a lot of popular books are filled with, with angels. A lot of popular TV shows depict angels. A lot of, a lot of movies depict angels. Um, angels were important in the Jewish life, in the Jewish religion. Angels assisted, assisted with giving the law of Moses on Mount Sinai. The Lord came from Sinai and dawned on them from Seir. He shone forth from Mount Paran. He came from the midst of 10,000 holy ones. At his right hand was, a flash, was flashing lightning for them. The Jews were told in Acts chapter 7 verse 53 that they, the law, had ordained by angels and you did not keep it. The law was ordained by angels. Paul told the Galatians just as much in Galatians chapter 3 verse 19... Why the law then? It was added because of transgression, having been ordained through angels by the agency of a mediator until the seed would come to whom the promise had been made. They appear throughout the history of Israel. Angels do. They were coming to Abraham, they were coming to Daniel, and they came to many others. Angels have also served an important role in the Christian faith. They are described here in Hebrews uh, chapter 1, verses 13 through 14, as ministering spirits sent forth to minister for those who will inherit salvation. They have certainly ministered in the past. In Luke chapter 1, verses 11 through 38, we have John the baptizer's daddy, Zacharias, 
in the temple doing his duty. It was, it was the time for him to do his duty as a priest of God. And an angel appears to him. Verse 12, Zacharias was troubled when he saw the angel and fear gripped him. But the angel said to him, Do not be afraid, Zacharias, for your petition has been heard and your wife Elizabeth will bear you a son and you will give him the name John. Angels will certainly minister when Jesus Christ comes back. In Matthew chapter 13, verses 36 through 43, the Son of Man will send forth His angels. They will gather out of His kingdom all the stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness and will throw them into the furnace of fire In that place, there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. We talked a little bit about about that this morning, didn't we, when we talked about hell. But to what extent do they minister to us in the present angels? They are ministering spirits. We've seen that from God's Word. To what extent do they minister to us? That's a question that I'm asked now and I'm going to answer a little later this sermon is kind of like going to the grocery store you know you got to go get the milk way back in the background and the majority of people want to know how do angels affect my life today well it's going to be at the end of the sermon so you're just going to have to stick around this is a subject that is prone to much speculation it's easy to get caught up in idle myths and, and fables Paul warned To avoid such, in Timothy, he told Timothy, I urge you upon my departure for Macedonia to remain in Ephesus so that you may instruct certain men not to teach strange doctrines. There are a lot of strange doctrines that are going around out there. He told Timothy again, have nothing to do with worldly fables. Again, he told Timothy in chapter 6, verse 20, O Timothy, guard what has been entrusted to you. We must guard what's been entrusted to us as well. God's holy word must be used correctly. And we can't come up with just what we think and be okay with God. 2 Timothy chapter 2 verse 16. Avoid worldly and empty chatter for it will lead to further ungodliness. Chapter 4 verses 3 through 4. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but wanting to have their ears tickled they will accumulate for themselves teachers in order in accordance to their own desires and will turn away their ears from the truth and will turn aside to myths. I told the... I told the um, uh, singing group here that we had, the, the first Sunday singing group here, that I'd watched a documentary called Kumare. It was about this kid, this guy who grew up in, in, in New Jersey. His mom and dad had come from India, all right? They came from India. They wanted him to have all of the, all of the Indian rites. He became a Hindu, and he grew up in the Hindu faith. But he fell away from that, and he wanted to know, what he wanted to know was, could he come up with a religion that people would follow? Could he just come up with a religion? Just come up with something. Well, he grew his beard out real long. He grew his hair out real long. He put on these really flowy robes and this big staff. And he, he walked into Arizona. And he had, by the end of that show, he had 15 people who thought that he was the anointed one. That he was the special one. That he was the one that had the words of life. They felt this overwhelming connection when they first met him. And 15 people were his disciples. At the end of the show, though, 
he cut his beard off, he cut his hair, he put real street clothes on. I mean, he's from Jersey, okay? And he walks in and he reveals himself. Four of the 15 left and they never would speak to him again. They were so mad. But the rest of them, guess what they did? They stood up and clapped. They clapped. They were glad that somebody had tricked them. Paul is warning Timothy and he's warning us that there's going to be these doctrines and people are going to want to tickle your ears. But the only thing you can count on is God's word. And that's what we've got to go with when we're talking about angels. Angels, though, are a biblical subject. They are very... They are are a subject that that we should carefully consider. Um, There's so much about angels that this could be broken up into a series of sermons. I mean, every, all of these points that I'm making tonight, I'm going to be flying through them. But I could, I mean, really, it could take a whole month of Sundays to preach about angels. And they, they, have, they have so much to do with the Christian life, and they have so much to do with the gospel. I'm, I, that's kind of the biggest point I guess I'm going to make tonight, is what they have to do with the gospel of Jesus Christ. Here in uh, Hebrews chapter 1 verse 14, they are, they are spirit beings. They're called spirits and that suggests that they don't have bodies like we do. Are they not ministering spirits sent out to render service for the sake of those who will inherit salvation? And though they did reveal themselves at, at times in the form of human bodies, such as in Genesis chapter 18 verse 3, it's where the angels appeared to Abraham in, in mortal bodies, if you remember that. They do not function, though, as human beings in such, as, such things as marriage. It says in, uh, in Mark chapter 12 verse 25, For when they rise from the dead, they, will, they neither marry nor are given in marriage, but are like the angels in heaven. So angels aren't married. They don't, they don't give in marriage and are, and are married. They're not subject to death, as it says here in Luke chapter 20, verse 36. For they cannot even die anymore because they are like the angels and are sons of God being sons of the resurrection. They are created beings. Created beings. Created beings. They are part of the creation that is a praise to Jehovah. You know, the song, this song that we sing comes from Psalm 148, verses 1 through 5. Let's sing this song together. Most of you know this song. Praise the Lord, ye heavens adore him. Praise him, angels in the height. Sun and moon rejoice before him. Praise Him, all ye stars of light. Hallelujah, amen. 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 That's the way the psalmist thought about the angels. That's the, what they were singing According to him, that's the what they that's that's the the the, the feeling that they gave the, the psalmist who wrote that psalm. They are created beings. They were created by Christ among uh, among all over all other things. They were created by Christ. Colossians chapter one verse sixteen. For by him all things were created, both in the heavens and on earth, visible and invisible, whether thrones or dominions or rulers or authorities. All things have been created through him and for him. Angels are innumerable. 
They, they are innumerable, an innumerable company, Hebrews 12, verse 22. But you have come to Mount Zion and to the city of the living God, the heavenly Jerusalem, and to myriads, that means a lot, myriads of angels. John's description suggests their number is countless. In Revelation chapter 5, verse 11, Then I looked and I heard the voice of many angels around the throne, the living creatures and the elders. The number of them was myriads of myriads and thousands of thousands. Of course, this is a, talking in in the Revelation figurative language there, but still, to John, what he saw in that vision were just, well, he couldn't count them. They are a higher order than man is. Man was created lower than the angels. It says in Hebrews chapter 2, verse 6, What is man that you remember him, or the son of man that you are concerned about him? You have made him For a little while, lower than the angels, you have crowned him with glory and honor. When Jesus Christ came to this earth, he he took on human form. The Word became flesh and dwelt among us. He was made a little lower than than the angels, just like we are. But Paul says in 1 Corinthians 6, verse 3, that we shall judge angels. We shall judge them. It says in 1 Peter chapter 1, verse 12, that we are privy to God's plan of salvation Things that angels long to look at. They have greater wisdom, though it's limited. Matthew chapter 24, verse 36. But of that day and hour no one knows, not even the angels of heaven, nor the Son, but the Father alone. What day is he talking about? Well, that great day. That great day when Jesus Christ comes back with all his angels in flaming fire, taking vengeance on those who do not know God and on those who do not obey the gospel of our Lord and Savior Jesus Christ. As Paul wrote in 2 Thessalonians chapter 1, verses 7 through 9. They have great power. Though it is limited as well. Matthew 28 verse 2. And behold a severe earthquake had occurred. For an angel of the Lord descended from heaven. And came and rolled away the stone. And sat upon it. They always appear as men. Never as a woman. Never as a child. Always clothed. You know we always see those pictures of the cherubs. You know. Giving that sweet face. You know. And that's not. That's not why the Bible you know, and they're naked babies too. You know, they're naked babies. You know, they've got, they've got things that are draped around their privates. You know, and they're looking so tender. That's not what a cherub is. We're going to see what a cherub is here in a little bit. Cher- cherubim and seraphim, uh, other than them, they, they're, they may have had wings. But angels, like in It's a Wonderful Life, or, you know, every time a bell rings, the angel gets his wings. Well... That's not in the Bible. We know that. And, 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 of course, it's not really depicted in the Bible as well. Though Revelation chapter 14, uh, verse 6 says this. And, again, this is, Revelation is highly figurative language. And I saw another angel flying in midheaven, having an eternal gospel to preach to those who live on the earth and to every nation and tribe and tongue and people. Uh, this angel is, is, is said to fly. Now, you know, I don't know if he had wings and was flying or he was doing like Superman and flying. I, I don't know how he was flying. It doesn't tell us that. But to put wings on him is not what the Bible says. Many times they were so disguised as men that they were first not identified as angels. Uh, Abraham in, in, in Genesis chapter 18 verses 1 and 2, they came to announce the birth of Isaac. And in chapter 19, verse 1, the doom of Sodom. 
Angels seem to have different job classifications. There is the archangel, or sometimes called the great prince. Michael is an archangel. It says in Jude chapter nine, uh, Jude verse nine. But Michael, the archangel, when he disputed with the devil and argued about the body of Moses, did not dare pronounce against him a railing judgment, but said, "The Lord rebuke you." Uh, Michael is called the archangel. First Thessalonians chapter four verse sixteen. For the Lord Himself will descend with a shout, with the voice of the archangel. We're told who the archangel is. There, it's it's Michael, and with the trump of God and the dead. Christ will rise first. Michael is called the great prince who watched over Israel. Uh, Dan chapter 12 verse, excuse me, Daniel chapter 12 verse 1 and Daniel chapter 10 verse 21. Michael is mentioned in Revelation chapter 12 verse 7 and there was a war in heaven. Again, figurative language. Michael and his angels waging war with the dragon. The dragon and his angels waged war. Now, There seems to be a classification called the chief princes, of whom Michael was one as well. He's described as that, as I've already said in Daniel 10, 13. But some would include Gabriel in this classification. Uh, He was the one that sent visions to Daniel in Daniel chapter 8, verse 16. uh, And in Daniel chapter 9, verse 21. He was also the one who made the announcements to uh, Zacharias and to Mary. Look at Luke chapter 1 verse 19. The angel answered and said to him, I am Gabriel who stands in the presence of God and I have been sent to speak to you and to bring you this good news. Now it says in the sixth month down in verse Verse 26, in the sixth month, the angel Gabriel was sent from God to a city in Galilee called Nazareth to a virgin engaged to a man whose name was Joseph, the descendants of David, and the virgin's name was Mary. And coming in, he said to her, greetings, favored one, the Lord is with you. The angel of the Lord is also another class of angels. Some say... Brothers in Christ that I know say that the angel of the Lord may actually have been Jesus Christ himself. It says here in Judges 2 verse 1, Now the angel of the Lord came up from Gilgal to Bokan, and he said, I brought you. Now notice notice the angel of the Lord's language here. I brought you up out of Egypt and led you into the land which I have sworn to your fathers. And I said, I will never break my covenant with you. If you look at Genesis chapter 16, verses 10 through 13, Moreover, the angel of the Lord said to her, I will greatly multiply your descendants so that they will be too many to count. Some say this is Jesus, and they make a very convincing case. It's certainly worth a little more study at some later time. My brother Dan Winkler, he was one of my teachers at, at preaching school. And this is certainly the view that he holds, that the angel of the Lord is Jesus Christ pre-incarnate, pre-incarnate. Now, cherubim, cherubim, again, they're not the little cherubs, you know, that we think of that are so pretty and cute and we put on Christmas trees. They're thought by some to be an order or class of angels, though some don't even put them in the order with angels. They put, they put them in a higher class of heavenly beings. In the Bible, 
They stood guard here in Genesis chapter 3, verse 24. So he drove out man at the east of the garden of Eden. He stationed the cherubim and the flaming sword, which turned every direction to guard the way to the tree of life. So here you have this cherubim. He must have been magnificent. He must have been terrible to look at because there's this sword and Adam and Eve couldn't go back into the garden and take any of the fruit of the tree of life. Because why? Well, they, they'd already eaten of the fruit of the tree of good and, knowledge of good and evil. And now they they were going to die. And they couldn't have that tree of life anymore. And the flaming sword was wielded by this angel. Uh, Cherubim, their their golden figures, they... uh, they covered the mercy seat. Do I have a note? Yeah, they covered the mercy seat in Exodus 25, verses uh, 17 through 22. Cherubim, their designs graced the walls and veils of the tabernacle and later in the temple. They also attended the glory of God in Ezekiel's vision in Ezekiel chapter 1, verses 1 through 28, uh, and Ezekiel chapter 10, verses 1 through 20. Their description fits those of the four living creatures in Revelation rather than of angels. If you look down at, uh, at verse 6, And in the center and around the throne, four living creatures full of eyes in front and behind. Now, some say those are cherubim and some say those are seraphim, six-winged creatures that attended, that attended, the, Lord in, attended the Lord in Isaiah's vision. It says in, here in Isaiah chapter 6, verses 1 through 13, In the year of King Uzzah's death... I saw the Lord sitting on a throne, lofty and exalted, with a train of his robe filling the temple. Seraphim stood above him, each having six wings. With two he covered his face, and with two he covered his feet, and with two he flew. And one called out to another and said, Holy, holy, holy is the Lord of hosts. The whole earth is full of his glory. Again, very figurative language, but I believe Isaiah was given uh, a privy look to uh, what is surrounding the Lord's throne. Seraphim, whose name literally means burning one, that's what the name means, are also considered by many as to be a higher class of angels. Their work was to, according to this uh, scholar, was to praise and proclaim the perfect holiness of God. And the last classification of, of angels that I want to talk about tonight is, is Satan and his angels. Satan and his angels. Many believe that Satan is a fallen angel. Uh, that he is Lucifer, a name applied to the king of Babylon. In Isaiah chapter 41, excuse me, Isaiah chapter 14, verses 1 and 2. Dyslexia is getting me there. Some people believe that he was among the highest of God's creation, a, a cherub, no doubt, uh, whose fall and judgment is applied figuratively. What's being figuratively applied here, some say, is the devil in speaking about the king of Tyre. This is from Ezekiel chapter 28, verses 11 through 19. This is a very interesting passage. I won't expand on it for time's sake, but let's just read it together. Again, the word of the Lord came to me saying, Son of man, take up a lamentation over the king of Tyre and say to him, Thus says the Lord God, You had the seal of perfection, full of wisdom and perfect in beauty. You were in Eden, the garden of God. Every precious stone was your covering. The ruby, the topaz, and the diamond, the burial, the onyx, and the jasper, the lapsus lazul, the turquoise, and the the emerald, and the gold. The workmanship of your settings and sockets was in you. 
On that day you were created, they were prepared. You were the anointed cherub who covers, and I placed you there. You were on the holy mountain of God. You walked in the midst of stones of fire. You were blameless in your ways from the day you were created until unrighteousness was found in you. By the abundance of your trade, you were eternally filled with violence, and you sinned. Therefore, I have cast you as profane from the, whole, from the mountain of God, and I have destroyed you, O covering cherub, from the midst of the stones of fire. Your heart was lifted up because of your beauty. Your, you corrupted your wisdom by reason of your splendor. I cast you to the ground. I put you before kings. They may see you by the multitude of your iniquities. In the unrighteousness of your trade, you profaned your sanctuaries." Now, Satan does have his angels for whom condemnation awaits. Let me show you this. In Matthew chapter 25, verse 41. He, then he will also say to those on his left, Depart from me, accursed ones, into the inter- eternal fire which has been prepared for the devil and his angels. Now, the preacher that's coming to uh, preach to us for our gospel meeting, he, I, heard, I heard him say this, that hell wasn't prepared for us. Notice who hell was prepared for. It's prepared for the devil and his angels. We're not supposed to go there, any of us. Every one of us, while there's breath left in us and Jesus Christ hasn't come back yet, we have a chance to go to heaven. Angels were very active, especially in the life of Christ, in their ministry to Christ. They foretold his birth. Gabriel appeared to Mary, as we've already said, in Luke chapter 1, verses 26 through 38. And because Joseph was having a hard time understanding why his uh, wife was pregnant and he hadn't had any relations with her. The angel appeared to Joseph in a dream as well in Matthew chapter 1 verses 18 through 21. And he told, he told uh, Joseph here, Joseph was a good man. He didn't want to disgrace her. So he, he planned to he send her away secretly. But when he had considered this, behold, an angel of the Lord appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife. For the child who has been conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. She will bear a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Uh, Angels, during the life of Christ, they were the messengers who announced his birth. Here in Luke chapter 2, there's a multitude of heavenly hosts praising God. In that same region, there were some shepherds laying out in the fields and keeping watch over their flock by night. And an angel of the Lord suddenly stood before them, and the glory of the Lord shone around them, and they were terribly frightened. But the angel said to them, Do not be afraid. Behold, I bring you good news of great joy, which will be for all the people. For for today in the city of David there has been born for you a Savior, who is Christ the Lord. This will be a sign for you, and you will find a baby wrapped in in the clothes and laying in a manger. 
And suddenly there appeared with the angel a multitude of heavenly hosts, praising God and saying, Glory to God in the highest, and on earth peace among men with whom he is pleased. When the angels had gone away from them into heaven, the the shepherds began saying to one another, Let us go straight to Bethlehem then and see this thing that has happened, which the Lord has made known to us. This is where it really starts, the fact that angels are a part of the gospel, the good news of Jesus Christ. Uh, Really, they were the first ones really to bring that word, good news into being. They made it known to these humble shepherds. Jesus, while he lived on this earth and was an adult in his ministry, the angels ministered to him even after he was tempted. After the devil had left him, in Matthew chapter 4, verse 11, Then the devil left him, and behold, angels came and began to minister to him. Why? Because he was God in the flesh. Angels ministered to him when he needed it, and he needed help, and he needed strength, and he needed friends, and he didn't have any friends. Angels were there. Even in the Garden of Gethsemane, in Luke chapter 22, verses 41 through 44, the angels strengthened him as he struggled in prayer and he was in agony in prayer. Angels seem to be provide visual evidence of the resurrection because they rolled away the stone at the tomb. One was sitting on the stone. When the stone was rolled away, the terrified guards at the tomb, they were terrified by the appearance of, the, of this angel. It says in, in Matthew 28, verses 3 through 4, And behold, a severe earthquake had occurred, for an angel of the Lord descended from heaven and came and rolled away the stone and, stone and sat upon it. And his appearance was like lightning, and his clothes were as white as snow. The guards shook for fear of him and became like dead men. Now notice here, this is not from Revelation in figurative language. All right? This is an actual eyewitness account of what was happening. This is an actual eyewitness account of, of what was said. These guards were afraid, and his appearance was like lightning, and his clothing was as white as snow. If you want a great depiction there, there's a great depiction. We don't see wings. We don't see halos, right? But we do see terrible lightning and bright, shining white clothes. So much so that these soldiers, these hardened, battle-trained soldiers of the Roman army were afraid. That's how mighty these angels are. They became like dead men. (laughs) They must be very, very awesome. Angels seem to be very active at this time of Jesus' life. With the topic of the angels, again, we can preach the gospel of Jesus Christ. They appeared... Following his resurrection, the, the Gospels are full of descriptions of angels that appeared to the women who had gone to tell Peter and John upon seeing the stone removed from the tomb. All of these passages of scriptures right here are, are talking about after Jesus' resurrection so where the angels appeared. And so we can see here that the angels were there when Jesus was born. They proclaimed him to the shepherds there. They were there when Jesus was, was crucified, before he went to the before he went to the crucifixion and they were there with him when he was resurrected. They have been there through the death, the burial, and the resurrection of Jesus Christ. And that's what we're supposed to preach. That's the gospel, 1 Corinthians chapter 15, verses 1 through 4. The gospel that we're supposed to preach, Romans chapter 1, verse 16. The gospel that is God's power to save mankind. The death, burial, and resurrection of Jesus Christ. And if we study just the angels in the Bible, 
the gospel can be preached. Angels attended at his ascension into heaven. In Acts chapter 1 verse 11, two men in white apparel, uh, they announced his return, that Jesus Christ was going to come back in the same way you've seen him go, he's going to come back one of these days. After Jesus ascended, there's a great record of angels and how they, they helped the early church. Uh, all of these passages here, if you're taking notes, you can jot these passages down. They provided deliverance from prisons, as they did in the case of the 12 apostles in Acts chapter 5, verses 17 through 20. In the case of Peter, they, they attended Peter in Acts chapter 12. In Acts chapter 12. And also, in, they were involved in conversion, sending Philip to meet the Ethiopian eunuch in Acts chapter 8, appearing to Cornelius to send for Peter in Acts chapter 10. Angels have been very active in the first century church. They were an instrument of judgment. It said in the case of Herod, said in the case of Herod, who delivered a great speech in Acts chapter 12, verses 21 and 22. But in, in Herod's case, he didn't give God the glory. He made a great speech, but he didn't give God the glory. So an angel struck him with a terrible disease. And immediately an angel of the Lord struck him because he did not give God the glory. And he was eaten by worms and he died. That's a pretty powerful being that can come and do that to a king. The angels, though, although they could be seen as terrible and hard and, 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 and people were afraid of angels, they, were also, they also brought reassurance. They appeared to Paul while he was on his journey to Rome in Acts chapter 27, verses 21 through 23. They assured him that his fellow travelers that were on the boat, that they would arrive safely, Acts chapter 27, verse 24. Angels are depicted throughout the Revelation, again, figurative language, as serving Christ, praising him around the throne, uh, carrying out the Lord's warnings and judgments about the, uh, sounding the seven trumpets and, and pouring out the seven bowls of wrath. In Revelation chapter 16, verse 1, angels are all through the book of Revelation. There were many references to, Revel, uh, to angels in Revelation, but their ministry kind of takes place behind the scenes. The visible activity of angels in the early church was, was very limited, as we've seen. It, it, it wasn't uh, as much as it was in, in the book of Revelation. Yet the teaching of Christ and his apostles, uh, they teach us what we might learn about the activity, activity of angels today. And that, that brings me to the point. We've, we've gone to the back of the grocery store and we've got the milk now and we're walking out, okay? Um, what do angels do for us today? How do these, these angels, what are angels doing right now? That seems to be the question what everybody wants to know. What are angels doing right now? Well, let's look at the Bible. Okay? They are present, they are at present and in the future in ministry to Christ. They worship and serve Christ. When he comes in his glory... When they will worship him around the throne, Revelation 5, verses 11 through 14. They revealed things that will take place as messengers, Revelation chapter 1, uh, verse 1, and Revelation 22, verse 16. They will accompany his second coming when he comes in his glory. When he, they will also, when he raises, they will come when he raises the dead, when he comes to bring judgment and condemnation upon the wicked. Second Thessalonians chapter one verses seven through ten, as I've already mentioned, they will separate 
the righteous and the wicked. Notice what they do. Notice what they'll do when Jesus Christ comes back. Uh, Matthew chapter 13, verses 40 through 42. So just as the tares are gathered up and burned with the fire, so shall it be at the end of the age. The Son of Man will send forth His angels, and they will gather out of His kingdom all stumbling blocks and those who commit lawlessness, and will throw them into the furnace of fire. In that place there will be weeping and gnashing of teeth. They're separating the wicked from the righteous. That's what they're doing. Angels are also, though, a part of the Christian's life today. Christian's life today. It says here uh, in 1 Timothy, excuse me, 2 Timothy chapter 4, verses 3 through 4. uh, I want you to notice this verse because a lot of a lot of strange doctrines and a lot of strange teachings have come from, from this verse itself, okay? We're going to look at this verse in the Bible. Uh, a great deal of money uh, has been made on the notion of guardian angels. Do we have a personal guardian angel that works at, looks out for us when we cross the street or are sitting at a red light or going on a long trip or, do, you know, you get, the, you get the picture. For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine but wanting to have their ears tickled, they will for themselves accumulate teachers. As I've already, already said, they will turn aside to myths. But notice this in Matthew chapter 18 verse 10. Little ones, little ones are said to have, if you notice the language, their angels who behold the face of God in heaven. Notice, see that you do not despise one of these little ones. What was happening? Well, all the, all the children were coming to Jesus, weren't they? All, weren't they the little children were coming to Jesus and the, the, the apostles, the disciples were trying to keep the kids away from him. He's, oh, no, 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 don't. See that you do not despise one of these little ones for I say to you that their angels in heaven continually see the face of my Father who is in heaven. Now, again, much speculation and superstitions have been formulated over this very difficult verse. Uh, the TV show, Touched by an Angel, if you remember that back in the 90s. I'm dating myself. Uh, it, it, it came out of this verse right here. This was the verse that it came out of. Many pray to or through their angels because of this verse. But we need to be very careful in adding to the Word of God. And preaching another gospel... I mean, if someone does that, if somebody preaches another gospel, Galatians chapter 1 verse 6, even if it's an angel, they're to be accursed. So, there is in Matthew chapter 18 verse 10 a suggestion that angels watch over the daily affairs of men. Now, Brother J.W. McGarvey, he wrote this. I went to some smarter people than myself and wanted to see what they said about this particular verse right here. J.W. Bugarby wrote about this verse disclosing the fact that the ministration of angels is not only general but special. Certain angels being entrusted with the care of certain individuals and all of them supplementing their own wisdom and, by, and power by direct as, access to the presence of God. Now that's a brother in Christ saying that about angels. Now this is not a brother in Christ, but still a very somebody that I go to for commentary sometime. His his his, his last name is Barnes. Barnes notes says he does not mean talking about this particular verse. He does not mean, I suppose, to state that every good man his guardian has his guardian angel, as many of the Jews believed, but that the angels were in general the guards 
of his followers and aided them and watched over them. Now, I tend to go with Barnes on this more than I do Brother McGarvey on this, but I doubt this issue can be resolved. We have so little evidence on this issue. I'm just showing you what the Bible says about the issue, and this is all we've got from the Bible. You know what? It's all right not to know something. (laughs) It's okay not to know something. But we certainly, just because we don't know something, make something up. Like so many people have done. I must have had an angel watching over me this day. If God would have wanted us to know everything about angels, we'd probably have trading cards. We'd have Michael trading cards and Gabriel trading cards. Gabriel will be holding a press conference here very soon if God wanted us to know everything about angels. Learning about the heavenly host, though, will be much sweeter when we are among them in eternity. It may be that angels are agents of God's, of God's progress in God's providence, his progress in the gospel and his providence. You know, all Christians believe in the providence of God. God's working in the answer to prayer. We believe that. We believe that we pray to God and, and we believe that if we pray in faith that he'll answer our prayers. If it's according to his will. Look at Paul's prayer to visit Rome here. Romans chapter 1 verses 9 through 10. For God... Whom I serve in my spirit in the preaching of the gospel of his son is my witness as how unceasingly I make mention of you. Always in my prayers making requests if perhaps now at last by the will of God I may succeed in coming to you. Now it doesn't say that angels helped Paul go and see them. All right, But what he's saying there is he's praying to God that I can come and see you. His prayer was that he, they could, he could go and see them. His prayer was answered later after he wrote this and God made the way. It was, accor- it was according to his will. We should always pray according to God, God's will. Now, how God carries out his providence likely involves Angels. It did in the affairs of nations according to the book of Daniel. It did in the affairs of nations according to the book of Revelation. The providence of God is a subject uh, that uh, is, is uh, of utmost importance that we study. We may study that one time soon here as well. But how God carries out his providence likely involves angels. Angels are his messengers. They do his bidding. Angels will be, confa- will be companions for our journey home. When you die, what happens to you? If you're a Christian, let me rephrase that. If you're a Christian and you die, what happens to you first? It says here in Luke chapter 16 verse 22, Now the poor man died and was carried away by the angels to Abraham's bosom. And the rich man also died and was buried. Well, one was carried by angels. The Jews, it says, by Mr. Barnes, the Jews held the opinion that the spirits of the righteous were conveyed by angels to heaven at their death. Our Savior speaks in accordance with this opinion, and as he expressly affirms the fact, it seems as proper that it should be taken literally. And when it is said that 
the rich man died and was buried, it should be taken literally as well. Angels are ministering spirits sent forth to minister to those who are heirs of salvation. Uh, Now, angels are also guardians of the gates of the eternal city as depicted in John's vision of the new Jerusalem in Revelation chapter 21 verse 12. It says here in the Revelation that it had a great and high wall with 12 gates and the gates at the gates 12 angels and names were written on them which are the names of the 12 tribes of the sons of Israel. Now, if we believe this to be the church, then angels are concerned for our well-being. Because it says angels rejoice when sinners repent. Luke chapter 15 Verse 10, in the same way I tell you, there is joy in the presence of angels of God over one sinner who repents. You know, not only angels rejoice when sinners repent, but this room would rejoice as well if you repented of your sins. If you repented of your sins and rededicated your life to Christ, or if you repented of your sins and had them washed away in the waters of baptism. You know, when I die... I want to be carried by the angels. Don't you? I want to be carried by the angels. Don't you? Would you like to be escorted by the angels to paradise or as Matthew said, to be roughly cast into the fire by these instruments who would throw you into your eternal punishment? As always, the decision is yours. Be an angel tonight. (laughs) Come forward. Ask God to forgive you. Make sure of your salvation. Put Christ on in baptism. Won't you come right now? Together we stand and sing.